Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a love story. A love story that is deeper than anything Hollywood can produce. And it has more twists and turns than them too. We're looking at the book of Hosea. So get ready to drop into the world of this 8th century BC prophet and see what the message is for the church today too. Well, Hosea. Over the next few months, we're going to be looking at this love story. I don't know what stories pop into your mind when you think love story. For me, that's what comes to my mind. The Princess Bride. I don't know if you've seen it. But that's a a story with a lot of twists and turns, isn't it? Marriage is what brings us together. But at the bottom, this this is a love story, isn't it? I think everyone agrees that is a love story. And it's okay for guys to watch it. But maybe something else comes to mind for you. But I reckon if someone was to ask you, tell me about a love story, you would not pick the book of Hosea. Is that fair? But you know what? Hosea is a book that is all about love. And it's a book that has more twists and turns than The Princess Bride does. Now, Hosea, it's, it's interesting for many reasons. One of the Well, it's one of the reasons why I don't think this book gets preached very much. And actually, after spending a bit of time in it, I think I can understand why. (laughs) You see, Hosea, it's spoken to a group of people, but it's written to a completely different group of people, and neither of those people are us. But it is written for us. That means we have to work at the text to really understand what it's saying. Let me let you in on how I do that. You might know that before I worked for Christchurch, I was a software engineer. And that means my brain is wired in a a good way, Danny, but in a strange way. Um, It means that my mind works with processes. I like to have things go in, things go out, garbage in, garbage out, but other things like that. Maybe this will be helpful to you, who knows? I like to think of understanding the Bible a bit like this. There we go. This is my chart. You might have seen this in the Bible overview booklet we did last term. You see, we have to see what the text says to the people who originally read it or heard it. And we need to think that through carefully. And then we can see how the text is going to point us to Jesus before we think how it points to us. That's just a quick tour. Hopefully you're going to see how this works as we go through this book. And if you don't, feel free to grab me. If you think there's an error up there, feel free to tell me as well. But let's, let's try doing this for Hosea, shall we? What do we learn about Hosea. Well, the very first verse of the Bible, or the very first verse of this Bible book, sums up the situation for us. Have a look at verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. Now, that verse there, it gives us a lot of information We're told that the word of the Lord came to Hosea. That's the Old Testament's way of saying Hosea is a prophet. It also gives us some history. There's a list of kings there. You've got Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Those are the kings of Judah who reigned whilst Hosea was around. We're also told that Hosea prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. Now, Jeroboam's reign, it was a prosperous time for the northern kingdom. But we need to remember, for the whole of this book, that prosperous doesn't mean good. It doesn't mean it's necessarily a good time. 
But it does mean that we know that the things that Hosea is saying here, he's saying to the northern kingdom, otherwise known as Israel. So we can update this square like this. There you go. But these kings, they also tell us when this book was put together. You see, these kings, they stand at the end of the northern kingdom's life. Shortly after this took place, Israel, that's the northern kingdom, well, they're taken into exile. And that's why we can know that the original readers of Hosea were not the northern kingdom of Israel, but were instead Judah in the south. See, at this point in Bible history, the north and the south of Israel are split into two kingdoms. And Hosea, he hints at this divide in the way he lists those kings. He's a prophet to the northern kingdom, but he speaks more about the kings of Judah in his introduction. And he ignores the other kings of Israel. I'll let you get away with not noticing that. We don't tend to memorise the kings of the Bible, but that's what's going on. And all of this suggests to us that this book, it's a collection of prophecies made by Hosea to the northern kingdom, but collected and written down to be read by those in the southern kingdom, in Judah. There you go, we have two points on this square neatly mapped out. But the question is, why is this happening? Well, Israel, had, as a nation, had entered into a covenant with God, an agreement with him. And the Bible describes that a bit like a marriage ceremony. And in that agreement, God called the people to obey him. Perhaps you'll recognise these words from Exodus. If you obey me and fully keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But at this point in Bible history, the people haven't obeyed God and they haven't kept his covenant. So the curses that God promised would come are about to fall on them. And the exile is looming around the corner. Who knew you could get so much stuff out of one verse, right? As I've said, though, this is really helpful for us to understand and apply this book. So that one verse is setting up Hosea for us. So let's have a look at the rest of this chapter. You see, like all good prophets, Hosea's message, it's given to us in a memorable way. But I reckon it's also one of the most offensive ways in the Bible. Have a look at verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. What do you make of that? When your friend asks you tomorrow, what happened at church Sunday evening? Oh, we heard the story of uh, Hosea. Um, Yeah. Hosea, go and marry a woman who is known for being promiscuous. A woman who is very unlikely, Hosea, to remain faithful to you. I mean, that goes against all common sense, doesn't it? If I were giving marriage advice to someone, this is the complete opposite of what I would say. I hope that's good with you. But you see, that's exactly what God says to Hosea. Well, why is that? Well, it's the end of that verse. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. A useful thought experiment for you. Which of those two is worse in your mind? What's going to happen to Hosea in this marriage? Or what God is saying has happened to him? Which is worse? 
You see, it's, it's easy to feel for Hosea, isn't it? In our human minds, we can understand what Hosea might feel. Well, how much more God? And remember that God had taken Israel as his people, entered into relationship with them, knowing that this was going to happen all along. So as we see this living parable of Hosea play out, we're entering into a smaller version of what's been going on between God and his people. As I was working on this, Amazon, like it does, gave me a a book recommendation. The book was called God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life. Just imagine Hosea seeing that book. This won't feel wonderful for Hosea. He's set himself up to feel and know just a little bit, just the smallest bit of the bitterness of God's pain, as well as the depth of his love for his undeserving people. Let's follow this parable through. There's a pattern to this section. You might have spotted it. It begins with Hosea obeying God's command, then God giving a name for the child, followed by an explanation. A command, a name, and an explanation. So let's have a look at the first child, shall we? Hosea obeys God, and he marries a woman named Goma. And in verse 4, she gives birth to a boy called Jezreel. And God says that he's to name the child Jezreel because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel and I'll put an end to the kingdom of Israel. God is saying through Hosea that he's going to bring their kingdom to an end. This unfaithful land is going to have a closed sign slapped on it. He's going to break their bow. He's going to devastate their army. He's going to let them be taken away. Pretty shocking, isn't it? You know what? It's actually more shocking for the people who are hearing this because they were in the middle of a golden age. Surely God was blessing them. He's not cursing them. Well, that shows us the seriousness of this land's unfaithfulness, doesn't it? In the light of the punishment they deserve. And as I said earlier, that is what happened. The northern kingdom, Israel, was carried off into exile and never seen again. Child one done. Child number two, this time a daughter. And God told Hosea to call her Lo-Rohamah. I wouldn't recommend that name. It means not loved. Why is that? Well, it says because God will not show love to Israel or at all forgive them. Have you ever thought to yourself that God could have enough? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? God could have enough. These punishments, they seem to be getting harsher and harsher, don't they? But that's exactly what the people wanted. They, in their words and their actions, they they want to live independently from God. They had the option to be loved, but they've thrown it away. They had the option to be forgiven, but they just don't want it. It's made all the more striking, as God says that's not going to be the case for their neighbours down south. The nation to their south, the nation of Judah... It's not very far away. God says here he'll deliver Judah from that same Assyrian invasion that was going to sweep Israel away. Just imagine if you were in Hosea's audience as he was saying this. This sermon might have caused them to want to turn back to God, to seek him while he may yet be found. Child number two, done. Child number three, 
Just imagine as the news came to Hosea, hey, Hosea, Gomer says, I'm pregnant. I wonder what he was thinking. In fact, this, this third child and his older sister, we actually have to ask the question, were they even Hosea's? We have no indication that they actually are. So perhaps as Hosea is looking at this child, at this boy, he's thinking, you're not my child. And that would be apt because the boy was to be called Lo Ami. And God explains again why. Because the people were not God's anymore. We've reached rock bottom, right? Can you just imagine any more devastating news for this group of people? Have you ever thought, I asked you earlier, have you ever thought that God could have enough of his people? Have you actually ever thought that God actually might judge? He might say it, but he actually will judge. That's the big question that Hosea raises for us. Will God really judge? But that's not the end. That's not the end of this passage. It's not the end of the book of Hosea. In fact, as we come to verse 10, it feels like a, feels like a gear crunch, doesn't it? Just like we've suddenly entered a different book, like the pages have been stuck together and we missed something. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel, they'll come together. They'll appoint one leader and it will come out of the land. For great will be the day of Jezreel. Save your brothers, my people, and your sisters, my loved one. In case you've missed it, that's the complete opposite of what God has just said with those names. This is not the end of the story for the people of Israel. There is a future. But how do we get from verse 9 to verse 10? How does that work? Well, we're meant to be left asking that question. There's a trailer for next time. But how should we respond to this? In these evenings, we spend time praying in light of the passage we've just been reading. How are we going to pray in light of this? Well, it gives us more detail on what sin looks like to God, doesn't it? You see, sin is not just some minor thing that you can just wink at. Hey, don't worry, it's going to be okay. No, sin is it's devastating. Just think at what this would have done to the family. Think of the pain that Hosea's family would be facing. That's just a small picture. You see, sin is an affront to God's love. Sin is, as Hosea says, like adultery to God. You see, if we're appalled at Hosea's relationship with Gomer, we should be all the more struck by the stink of sin. And we should realise that God is right to judge and that his threats, they're not empty. See, God has said he's going to judge the whole world. These threats are not empty. But Hosea also shows us what love looks like. Even though his people have wandered away, God has not finished with them. The people of Hosea, they can see a glimpse of that in God's promises. And we today, we can see that all the more clearly, can't we? As we stand on this side of the cross, we can see that God did what he intended to do through the Lord Jesus. You see, Peter can quote Hosea in the New Testament, 
And he can say that because of God's love, because of the gospel, he can speak of the church by saying, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hosea is it's a cracking book. And it's a book that points us to the gospel. And that's amazing news, isn't it? We're going to continue to explore this over the next few weeks. But now we're going to turn and spend some time praying. I hope you found that helpful and edifying. If you have any feedback or questions, feel free to reach out to me via email. The details are in the show notes. But until next time, let's keep praising God this week.